All right, hello, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, uh, good whenever time is a flat circle. Wherever you're listening from, uh, this is the Creedcast. I'm David. Thank you for listening, as always. Appreciate it. Um, today, uh, I'm going to try and do just a bit of a review of the um, AFL men's season as it was. Unfortunately, one that, uh, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not too much fun to get into with the way the season ended, but... You know, it was with some fondness that as I, you know, kind of looked over some of the results and remembered some certain things over the season and even got a little bit of input from the uh, the Twitter fam or X fam as it is. See, here's the thing with Twitter versus X as it's known now. It's just, you know, any, anything X that you say is obviously got a connotation to, you know, whether it be triple X, you know, or whatever. So just saying X fam just sounds a little bit like dirty I don't know whereas Twitter was just Twitter like it, it was it had become a thing like but when you say X fans or whatever anyway I, I still say Twitter more than I do X anyway so uh, input from Twitter fan got some um, stuff there as well so that was fun to kind of hear some you know just little bits of pieces about the season and yeah, my own memories uh, at times when things were nice and lovely and we were winning games and all that stuff and the vibes were good the vibes were fun, and then it all came crashing down at the end of the season, but we'll talk about it and just see kind of where it ended up. Um, I guess everyone's, at this point, got their own thoughts, and, and, and really, mine will probably won't be too far off from anyone else's, because it's just that the season, unfortunately, ended the way it did. Um, but, you know, if you want to know what I'm thinking about how the season went, and certain certain peats and pieces and parts... Um, was that ad back in the day where it was like the kid was like, I got eaten by a crocodile and I was being put into pieces and parts or whatever. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked already. We're only two minutes in. This is going to go well. Uh, probably not. But anyway, season review. Let's talk about it. I'm going to start with just going over the season as it was the games. So I'm not going to go game by game. Kind of, kind of. Uh, it might be somewhat that way, but I'll jump between bits because, you know, there was a period in the season where it was good. There was a period in the season where it was the start and it was a bit up and down. Um, and then it was good for a while and then it was, you know, up and down and then bad. So uh, we'll just run through the season as it was kind of generally overview, review of the season and my thoughts as it went on and the good uh, that I saw in the season um, and some of the promising things because there were good things that happened and, and at one point, it felt like there was growth. You know, there was some growth in the side and growth in the way the side was being coached and all those things. Um, that was a thought. You know, we were all worried that it might come crashing down as it did. But, you know, there was a prevailing thought that maybe this was different. So, um, just look at all those. And, you know, you can still take some things out of that and hope that we can grow at that. So, we'll talk about that. And so, before we get into uh, the review stuff of the season, just wanted to put a quick note out, uh, out there, and uh, I wanted to put it at the front end of the podcast, so it's front of mind for people, but um, there is a service um, for a funeral service for the late and great Jeff Motley um, to be um, held at Alberton on Monday, so Monday the 9th of October. For you people in South Australia um, that can get there, that uh, it's at 11.30am on Monday the 9th at Alberton Oval, so... If you are, uh, I know, you know, the services of the likes of EBIT and, uh, and co in the past have been, you know, something that um, our fans have wanted to get around and, and pay their respects. And um, it's a wonderful part of our fan base that there is that kind of want and desire to be a part of it and just and kind of show your support for the family and, and, and both, you know, family, physical, actual family of the of the uh, dearly departed um, Jeff Motley, but also, you know, you're, you're 
support family because you know family when it comes to fan bases and stuff you know sometimes it's people that you've never met but you feel a real connection to in it um so yeah that's going on on monday 9th of october so this monday a couple of days away at albert and oval um the service for jeff motley so get around that if you're um if you're able to on monday and 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 desire to be a part of it that's going on all right so our season began uh pretty bloody beautifully i mean we you know we were coming in with a bit of uh you know, there was some excitement. We had, uh, you know, Jason Horn Francis had come into the side and Willie Rioli uh, was into the side as well. It had been a pretty successful trade period last year, but one that, um, you know, as we look forward to this year as well, we know our, our draft stock and draft capital isn't great, um, but we we took the punt on um, a couple of players that actually, you know, you, you'd do the deal again in a heartbeat when you're getting a player like Willie Rioli and who's got plenty of footy ahead of him. And then when you get the number one draft pick and a player of the caliber of Jason Horn Francis, who's literally still got his whole career in front of him, basically, apart from these first two years, um, he's only 20 odd, 20 years old. I don't know if he's quite 21 yet. So um, it's deals that you do in a heartbeat still. But um, we, uh, you know, went into the season with, uh, I guess I, was, I, I don't, I'm trying to think back to how the vibes were because I know we were pretty, pretty, uh, you know, 2022 was a pretty fucking bad year and, um, very disappointing after the kind of getting to prelims to the, the the previous two years. Uh, expectations at the start of this year. I think we all knew that this list, while it had its holes and and that will bear out as we go through the review. Um, we knew that there was talent abundant in the side as well. We had the the midfield group was there. Um, Ollie Wines at the start of this year was a bit over a year removed from a Brownlee medal so we probably expected better out of him this year even though we knew he was coming in a little un- little underdone um Boke had been Boke was still Boke at the start of this year you know I know it's um and it is with great pleasure that it, I'm recording this that knowing that Boke is signed on for next year so that's lovely to know um but you know there was we we kind of knew that talent was there in the group in the middle uh but it was probably up forward was still a bit unsure of where that was going we knew Todd Marshall had a good year last year um down back uh was probably I think right from the start of the year down back was where the real questions were um we knew we were decent down back but it wasn't we weren't deep um Ruck as well with Lysett and Hayes you know we'd last year we'd had to deal with a little bit of that as well um so there was a few questions but we knew playing the you know there was there's the talent enough in this group to have a you know not be obviously the worst club in the comp and um they're probably worthy of the eight playing good footy and injuries permitting and all those things so it was an interesting place to be at the start of the year i was you know i was reasonably hopeful I'd, you know with the the squad and you know rosie's blossoming last year and um i've always expected and just when you've seen butters um over the previous years and seen the electricity he has within him i think we all knew that this season was coming as well but at the start of the year I was just hoping um, to see the continued growth of Rosie, and and really, I thought it was yeah, it wasn't a make or break year for Butters, but it was the year that we really, as long as fitness allowed him to, um, it was kind of like that was one of the things I was looking at at the start of the year was that he take that kind of next consistent step, which you know as we saw we did. But um, going into that Brisbane game, I was trepidatious. Um, them coming to Adelaide Oval. Uh, you know, they haven't travelled super well at times, but this year they actually went all right as well as at home. You know, they got a couple of wins down in Melbourne and whatever. But um, coming in at Adelaide Oval, especially with how we, we looked at times last year, 
Um, and Brisbane being in their premiership window, and as we saw, they got right through and very, got very close to tasting that ultimate, um, you know, that ultimate success this year. Uh, I was trepidatious going into that first game, but what we saw in that first one was something that gave us a lot of hope. Uh, it was a dominating win. It was seesaw a little bit in the first half. Um, Brisbane had their patch. We had our patch. Um, that third quarter to come out, and, you know, it's one of those things they always say, you know, third quarter's a premiership quarter. I don't know, you know, it's just the premiership quarter's the one that you, you whatever quarter you put the damage on the scoreboard that gets you the win, um, which, you know, <laughs> you see plenty of games where it happens in the first half or whatever, but to come out and win that way, I think started off the season with, it sent expectations skyrocketing a little bit, but I think I, from what I remember is that, like a lot of people just said, okay, how are we going to back this up? But to start the season that way, Jason Horn Francis had an incredible debut um, and kind of showed showed why we put that that trade out there for him, um, or made that trade happen once he once he expressed his desire to come home. Um, and although the year was indifferent at times for him, um, you know some quieter games, but as a young player, still developing his both his stamina, his role, understanding the role at the, at the highest level, understanding how to perform at the highest level. I think he had a great year. Um, but And we saw, you know, that, that was just kind of that taste of what we've we've got to come uh, with his career. Um, but the forward, forward line works pretty well. I think Charlie Dixon, he had three goals in this game. I think he had three goals in each of the first three games. Unfortunately, injuries grueled his season a little bit, but I think people forget that he was, you know, three, you know, averaging three goals a game for those first three weeks, um, and you could see that just how much better our forward line functions with a fit Charlie Dixon. Now that's the that's the key key marker here is a fit Charlie Dixon, and as we saw throughout the season, unfortunately, once those injuries started biting, even when we tried to get him in there, um, you know, he was on one leg pretty pretty well, and that unfortunately somewhat crawled. Uh, the the prospects of our forward line functioning at the highest level, particularly when the likes of Jeremy Finlayson's form started to drop off, and and Todd Marshall just had an indifferent year. Um, I think he the concussions um, certainly didn't help. Uh, it kind of just you know put a little spinner in the works um, as far as his consistency goes, and just didn't didn't quite hit it. His accuracy wasn't on, and and obviously Georgiades had an indifferent start as well, and then obviously the ACL. Um, sent his season um, to the to the uh, recovery room, basically. So, you know, the forward line, I was, you know, we put a big score on the board in that first week and you had this kind of hope that that was kind of where we we're going to go and, and the, and the we, got, we were getting decisive forward 50 entries. You know, I've, I've always said that, you know, our forward 50 success, um, it, it, well, our forward 50 structure is quite frustrating at times, particularly when the game in the middle of the ground is a bit of a battle because you need to be able to... You need our structure. I guess you could say it's kind of like downhill skiing a little bit. I guess when when the midfield's really on top, uh, it all kind of comes together in the middle of uh, down forward a little bit more. Uh, as long as we don't overuse the ball, but when we're just, you know, there's teams that when it's a true midfield battle and they're really having a battle for possession, they still find ways to their forward line kind of adapts to that condition and and they can they can work work with that game condition and I found that that was probably at times this year was that one of our issues that when our midfield is struggling to get on top or if it's a bit of a seesaw battle in the middle and we're at, you know the the forward line just doesn't structure just doesn't adapt to the conditions of the game enough and then obviously we just start bombing it forward and on all those things and it all comes comes crashing down but you know we we thought in that first week that we we'd found something a little bit more 
Um, but as it turned out, uh, we go to week two against Collingwood, and after a pretty seesaw start, I think it was goal for goal, three three goals each. Um, one of one of those classic uh, issues that plagues Port Adelaide over the last few years um, really showed in that game, in the sense of we had that patch, that patch where we just drop off, the heat drops off, the contested possession number in this game was fucking atrocious. Um, I think we were minus forty, minus forty or fifty in the the contested ball. I think it was something ridiculous like that. I don't have it in front of me, and I'm not going to look it up because you know, I'm trying to therapy my way out of the season at the same time as well. But you know, we I think it was a club record. Uh, I, don't, I fucking hope it wasn't a league record. But um, the contested numbers uh, between the two weeks, as we go to the Crows game of the week after as well, were um, minus sixty something. It was ridiculous. So, but it started with that Collingwood game. We had that patch, and they just got on top, and and they rolled, and and obviously we know now that they went on to win the premiership, and we probably saw one of their better dominant games over a good opposition in this game, because um, we were a decent opposition at times this year. Like we got to give ourselves that pat on the back. We were a tough out for a lot of teams, apart from a couple really, um, and uh, you know, but Collingwood got on top, and that was a seventy-one point win, I think, and and really quite quite dominant um probably the the worst loss we had in the season and uh and one of collingwood's better wins um in a year that they had plenty of good wins but a, a, probably their best dominant win over what turned out to be a fellow top four finisher uh as far as the regular season goes um but yeah that was one of the, my concerns of the year and something i'll be looking forward for next year um and you know part of this review just talking about it um our patchiness in within our games uh, cruelled us in a lot of ways I think uh, I mean we look at percentage which cost us at the end of the year um, with the latter I'm pretty because we finished equal with Brisbane didn't we I'm just we're just talking through this together right now as I look it up on Google the old Google ladder um, AFL ladder why am I typing Google the, you know when you're like speaking a word and you just start typing it I it was like AFL out of Google as I'm typing it into Google. It's very redundant and dumb, um, which is on brand for me. Um, yeah, we yeah we finished um, tied on points. So, but with a percentage uh, eleven and a uh, eleven and a ten and ten point four percentage points less. Quick math. Um, it was, and it's so looking at the season as a whole there's so many games where percentage was on the table I mean I know a lot of, I mean you look at the Hawthorne one a few weeks or a couple of months later in the season where we were up by 82 points at half time and ended up winning by I think 57 or something something some number like that so and a lot of people went that's fucking frustrating but you know Hawthorne were probably a better side at times this year than they their ladder position um, suggested uh, they got a win against Collingwood I think at one point this year and uh, had a few other pretty handy wins um I think I, t- I try to take the positives in games like that. I can see both sides. Um, not to be uh, one of those people, but see both sides in the sense that it is, and it is ultimately the frustration of this season that uh, we couldn't build the percentage at times to uh, to get that that second ladder position was both in our hands at one point with the wins in the on the board, and then percentage would have helped as well. And it's games like this against Collingwood, even though we're lost, we should have been far more competitive throughout the game, but we we just slacked off in the contested ball, had that bad patch, let them and they we when we have a bad patch and it goes against us, the tide really can flow quite quickly. Um, I know a lot of people have had 
issues over the years with the junk time goals we can give up at the end of quarters where it's like it's not just one frustrating one it could be two and three just you know there's three minutes to go and we have like a you know we could have a 30 point lead or something like that and then and then suddenly you get to half time and we're up by 11 points and you go what the fuck they just scored three goals one in you know four and a half minutes um what are we doing here um and that can that could be in a game that ends up being a win, but we end up winning by 24, 30 points rather than 50 or 60 because we have that bad, those couple of bad patches where it just, and they claw their way back in. And, and you know you kind of are always going to win, but teams see that soft underbelly that they can get a little bit in and, up, in and under us, get around us, get through us, and get down to the um, get down to their end, um, our defensive end, and, and score. Um, and whether that happens in wins or losses, that overall affects our percentage. And, um, you know, that Collingwood loss at the start of the year really, really put a dampener on things. And then we go to the next week. Again, a game that showed another side of us and, and, and similar patchiness. And this is something I spoke about throughout the season that I think we learnt from for a while from this showdown loss. Um, but it showed us, again, there was a softness at the end of that game that was pretty inexcusable. Um, and I won't, you know won't mince words on that I don't think and I haven't gone I didn't go over the stats of every showdown that we've ever played or anything like that but I don't can't think of a time when one one of the crows or us either or and feel free to tweet or whatever or comment on Instagram and let me know um, any other examples but I don't think there'd be many out there of a showdown because if showdown is going to be won comfortably it generally gets won comfortably a bit earlier, like, you know, when we beat Crows by 75 points a few uh, back in the COVID year or uh, the couple of Crows' handy showdown wins they've had against us, whether it be that goddamn final or um, even back in the year they went to the grand final. Um, you know, that those games were won essentially won by half-time um, or into the third quarter. You don't... If a showdown is within a kick or either way close to halfway through a fourth quarter it ends up being only a couple of kicks by the end in in the end you know like the the game is in the balance right right towards the end to have a game that we actually take a lead through Sam Powell Pepper I believe it was um late on um and in the prison bars as well no less and then for, for us to just completely capitulate um softly and let them uh roll over the top and win by five goals by the end of it uh, I think it was 31 points or whatever um, I think it shows that that was a softness, um, and I, um, you know, I I think most people that listen to the podcast regularly. No, I don't uh, bloviate and try to and and get dramatic or anything like that regarding our team's fortunes. I just call it as I see it, um, and I, you know, I don't like to personally attack anyone or anything like that. Um, this is just a general statement about the way that game finished. That's soft to me. I, I, there's no other way. To explain now, the Crows played well, and, and they played well in both showdowns. And and this, I guess, just to talk about both showdowns at the same time, both of them showed a softness when it comes to that game in particular. And the Crows, whatever it be, whether it's coaching, and I take um, these situations as far as teams and coaching and players and coaching and, and everyone around it as a whole. Like, there's a whole symbiotic relationship. Like, everyone, you know, the coaches help the players, the players help the coaches, and, and you you all play a part in this. Um, I don't know what the Crows are doing to get themselves up for these games, but it's working, and, and what we're doing isn't. And I, I don't even I don't even buy into, you know, some people get really mad about, you know, Ryan Burton jumping on the radio and saying we hate them. Like, who fucking cares? Like, yeah, they do. And I, I 
have I know that there's you know former players out there that don't fucking like the Crows. So and there's former Crows players that don't like fucking Port. Like it's just a thing. Um, so it's fine to say that stuff. And I don't think that has any bearing on the preparation for the game and the reason these games go this way. If you think that, then I think it's a very small-minded way of thinking about because these are professional athletes. And this happens in world sports, you know, Liverpool versus Manchester United. Um, you know, uh, fucking, I'm trying to think of an example, like, you know, Eagles versus Giants in the NFL or Eagles versus Cowboys or Eagles versus half of their rivals. Um, you know, 49ers, 49ers Seahawks back in the, when they're, you know, battling away, you know, the NBA, Boston, God damn, think about Lakers, Celtics, like the, the vitriol and then the hate that was between those sides in, in the eighties. And, and even to this day, there's, those fan bases still don't like each other when it comes to, if they're both at the top tier at top end of the table, Red Sox, Yankees, why am I blanking on that one? That's one of the hottest, you know, um, the hate and stuff that come, goes between these rivals is very normal and very real. So to try to make a thing out of that, I think is just the small mind and pissant town Adelaide thing to be like, oh, we've got to be nice. Like, we, we can't say this. And it's like, no, you can say that. It's That that stuff isn't the reason we're losing that game. If Ryan Burton had gone on radio and said, really respect them, love what they do, they're playing great footy, that game probably still goes the same way. So that has no bearing on it. Um... What it is, and, and this is something that's been happening, because like, the Crows have had a fairly good, despite um, the fact they haven't made finals in six years, they've been better in showdowns over the last few years. Um, so, I think it just comes down to a preparation. Uh, players, coach, and players and coaches are both need to figure it out. Like, if the players, if there's something the players don't like about the coaching messaging, they need to say that. If the coaches and the coaches need to find a way to prep the players better because you know and both games you know that first showdown of the year we were in position and this is again going back to what i said about the Collingwood and the patches and thing that first showdown we were in i think twice had 15 you know 12 to you know 12 to 17 point leads kind of in that between two and three goal leads in that first showdown and we just let them get back into it and again this is that soft underbelly thing has plagued us plenty of times this year and in the previous years uh, coming to the fore, and I think we saw kind of all parts of what we're going to, what was going to afflict, you know, our Port Adelaide side in 2023. Everything we saw that happened through the year, the good and the bad, we kind of saw in those first three weeks. We saw the great performance against Brisbane, showed up some great things, um, but then against Collingwood, we we just saw a complete capitulation, and then again 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 against the Crows, we had position winning. We were in winning positions at a couple of times throughout that game, and capitulated as well. And soft underbelly, and and certain and just patches where our contested ball and our effort just drops right off, and um, and our skills drop right off, and we start trying to get a little bit ticky tacky, and and it just doesn't work. Um, and we we start being we start looking like that overcoached team that we've looked at times, rather than that team that is playing with freedom that we saw in that you know third quarter against Brisbane and we saw it plenty of other times this year as well but everything that was going to afflict our 2023 season we kind of saw in those first three weeks for me alrighty so we had the we're at this point we're one win two loss and we're about to head on and embark on a win streak uh, a 13 game win streak but one that uh, began you know between uh, betwixt 
the game against Adelaide and then the start of our 13-game win streak came. Just a little bit of radio chatter and podcast chatter from a former captain of ours, Warren Treadray. And he had, he had plenty of valid points. Um, as I've men- mentioned before, I think, on Twitter or here, I'm like, he is just... We, we anoint people, you know, with higher meaning sometimes. And certainly there are people that are deserving of that. But these are still just people with opinions and and uh but you know his his strongly held opinion and one that i i actually appreciate so i'm not at this this point and i think probably got lost in the ether of all of this um was i actually enjoyed what tim jenever had to say in he kind of like in conversation with tread around the radio at times jenever brought up different things that he was talking to with um you know, uh, former players and such, and and you know sometimes Treadray's things seem seems to be more of there is a personal tangent to Treadray's. You know, he's he's I think he's still dirty at the board and 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 Kosh and Cole and and everyone involved at not being part of the board, and and you know certainly he's welcome to have his grievances and 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 he did ha- he did make a he did make good points about you know there is division um, and there is some. There is some shakiness between fans in the club and all those things. Those are there, but there is also plenty of good happening as well. And you know, again, I hate saying this stuff and talking about this stuff because any any time someone hears you say you can see good and bad, then they just think you're a happy clapper. But you know, I'm trying to be as reasoned as I can. It's just you know my own opinion. Um, and at the end of this year, it is there is again we are in this doldrums of um, frustration and. And, uh, you know, just un- unease about what the future holds. Um, and, and that's all understandable. And people have understandable grievances and, and frustrations, and I share them as well. Like, I'm pretty frustrated. I don't know what to expect from my side next year. But anyway, going back to this time, um, that kind of really put a fire under everything. And, and, you know, I'm not one to sit there and think that, you know, some people were, you know, constantly tweeting at Warren Trader and saying, thank you for speaking your mind. And this is, you know, as, you know, as a win streak went on, people was, you know, giving him a pat on the back for it. Uh, I, I don't think anything is one thing or the other. I think everything happens organically. And, and I think certainly within the club, I believe, and again, I could just be naive. Um, but I don't believe, I tr- like to think that the club was well kicked in the ass enough without all the stuff from Tread Around the Radio. I think I just added to it that I think some changes were coming that week anyway. Um, but certainly those kind of things, that kind of media pressure helps just at least, you know, there's no nowhere to hide when that stuff is happening. And that's why it is good to have, as long as it's reasoned. And, I, and you know, I do believe that Tread Ray was reasonable enough in what he was saying. Um, I did say at the time as well, like a lot of people that were attacking Treadray for what he said, the, those people in the media, whether it be Andy Maher or Kane Corns or whoever else, Treadray did also say in the, some of his radio bits, he, you know, gave Hinkley, Hinkley praise for being a good coach. A bloody good coach, I think, was his exact words. He just didn't think the position and everything that was happening was uh, jiving well, so to speak. Um, so, but yeah we go into the Sydney game and I will say and I've said I said it at the time and I'll say it again now the Sydney game was we didn't play well for a large part of that game I think in my I've got it in my notes here as well we played one and a half good quarters and 
maybe half a quarter indifferent, and I think there was two bad quarters, one and a half to two bad quarters of footy in there. You know, they they were they had us on the ropes early. I think it was four goals to none to start the game. Um, you know, I think we were you know we were four goals down almost to there. I, think, I can't remember if we got. Did we have a scoreless quarter in that one? Trying to think if the Hinkley special was in there. Anyway, at the start of that game. But, you know, we, we came back into it twice. Um, we got right back into it, uh, which was really good. We got one of those good patches. And then then they got back out to a lead again. And it felt like, oh, okay, this time. But then, you know, we fought, fight back with three three goals or whatever in the last last few minutes. Um, and then they go down a score. But then we score again. And Finlayson with a... Uh, Incredible, you know, a snap and, you know, one of his great moments in the, on the season. Um, and then you have that moment, that Aaliyah moment, that Aaliyah moment on the line. Ollie Florence celebrating. He's losing his mind. We again have the person getting up in front of the camera uh, at the SCG, um, a la the, uh, the Buddy Franklin <laughs> the thousandth goal. Uh, it's it's all happening, and then we and then we see our boys are celebrating. You go, hang on, hang on, and then Florence looking fucking confused as hell, and and then it's 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 no, there's not not going to be a review. It's over, and then you look at the, and you see the replay, and it's it's absolute. Um, you know, it's a really it's a you know the replays are really good. Uh, you know that replay was just one of those ones where you go, man, the goal review system is working pretty damn well um, in in Australian football, and there's not going to be any issues at all this season, um, at least for us. Uh, I don't know, there was a few this year, I'm sure, but um, that was one of those moments I enjoyed because you know football we're, we're so we get so wrapped up in the ultimate success stuff, and that that is the ultimate reason we're here for it, and that's and that's all well and tr- good, but it was one of those moments that you just have to enjoy as well, and 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 take the joy in in the in the regular season wins as well, and I, and and ones won in the most incredible of ways it's it's why the motlop goal against the crows is uh, and you know they all the angus monfries won any any number of showdown moments or other moments whether it be robbie gray after the siren or as we'll get to later in the year dan houston after the siren um moments within seasons within games as a fan are kind of those little those little bumps so to speak um those little hits because <laughs> uh, we're all we're all chasing that ultimate success and that feeling um, that comes with seeing your team win a grand final, and and in the meantime, we're all just looking for those little those little dopamine hits, um, and sometimes you get great ones, those ones that stick in the memories, and that's what that Delia on the line save was, um, and one that I'll remember for a long time, and I encourage people just to just to you know when when you're down in the dumps about footy and stuff like that, just try to think about those moments as well, and and enjoy it for the, for, for what it is at the time. Um, but yeah, it was it was a moment that uh, kind of sealed just one of the most wackiest games I'd watched because, like I said, I just don't think we deserve the win to be um, to be quite honest. But at the end of the day, it's 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 a sport that's all about you know you get four quarters to get yourself um, to a score at the end of the day that is better than your opponents, and that's what and and then you have every which way about you to to defend that lead as well in the in dying moments if it is that close and and we did so you know a win is a win is a win is a win and was i ex- good lord was not, I not expecting to see us uh go on a 13 game win streak but may i think um in the wake of that week and the, all the all the stuff that happened um coach you know, the, the 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 media speculation and, and the scrutiny and all those things 
I think it was a hell of a response from the squad and showed the heart and stuff. And then, and obviously Hinkley started coaching for the bench and there was all that hoopla and, you know, and, you know, if the conspiracy theorists want to have their moment, you know, it was Josh Carr took over as coach on that day. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, is it an inauspicious start to a 13 game win streak, but one that was one of the more memorable games of the year. I'll, I'll go through the season here quickly and then I'll go to the, game of the year and player of the year and all that stuff that I've talked about on Twitter like yesterday but um, yeah wasn't expecting a 13 game win streak after this but I think some of the good things that we know we saw about Port and we also saw some of the bad stuff throughout this win streak but some of the good things that we'd seen both in that Brisbane game and then again that showed themselves in the Sydney game uh, and especially I do think that we learnt a bit from and ultimately didn't help us at the end of the season but I think we learnt a bit from how he capitulated in the final quarter against Adelaide in that first showdown as well, in the sense that there was a toughness and a zeal within this side that showed itself at multiple times throughout this win streak. Alrighty, so the win streak. This was a fun time of the year. Like, I know it's all ended shit, and we fucking are just depressed about football. And and what is football? What even is sports? What is being a sports fan? What is life? What are we doing on this earth? I watched SLC, SLC Punk yesterday for the first time, which of, of, is a good movie and is fun, um, but um, raises a lot of questions in your mind uh, for someone like me in particular. And, yeah, what are we doing here in this life, uh, especially with a team that breaks our hearts such as this? But 13 games in a row was really, really fun and uh, a good point of the season. But one in which, um, when you look through the results a little bit, you kind of go... It's... An impressive, I think, to keep winning and find ways to win, particularly against, uh, you know, a side uh, against teams. There were some pretty good teams in this win streak, let's be real. Like, some good away results against good teams. um, Some good home results against good teams. And some... And then just some expected wins, I guess. Um, whoops, apologies, my phone is ticking off. I never remember to put this thing on Do Not Disturb whenever I start recording, so let's just make that a thing. That's just going to happen. Um, but yeah, you look through the results, and you know, the, the win against Sydney obviously was close. We, and then the gather round match, um, which it really, uh, but I was happy and a shout out to Philip uh, Phil Downs on Twitter, who um, just asked for people to give me their favorite matches of the season or whatever, and I'll get to that in the latter half of the podcast um, in you know, 15, 20 minutes or so. But he uh, he said that the gather round was his favorite match of the year and um, which in the rain and all that stuff, it was quite inclement weather and quite a tough game uh, that we won by 14 points in the end. And one of those, one of many games this year that we've had to come, from, you know, come from a position of being slightly down or, or, you know, struggling and then, and then get ourselves that couple of goals ahead to seal a win late in the game and, and have a good fourth quarter. To, and this was, this was a part of the season that was really defined by having decent finishes to the game. Um, that I, again, as I said before, I took a quick break just then. Um, that we, uh, you know, I think came from a, a resolve to not have the same thing that happened against Adelaide happen again, because um, our finishes to a lot of games were quite was were quite were pretty decent uh, 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 by and large. The Hawthorne result may be the one that you go. That's the one that's a real big. Uh, no-no as far as the finish goes, but we're also up by 82 points and it could essentially put the the uh, the cue in the rack, so to speak, at, uh, you know, uh, at halftime. So 
that probably being the the only result, but that that result wasn't in the balance either. So that's kind of neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, Philip said that you know, the most memorable thing about that game was um, everyone serenading Alir, uh in the fourth quarter and the cheers every time the ball went near him. He said for supporters from other clubs joining in too. And I kind of wondered, I was just like, oh, of course, it was like the week after the Alir, uh, the the save on the line thing. So. Um, and then Aaliyah was at Blaine really had a really really bloody great quarter as well, and he said and he said it's his lasting memory of the season. And like I said, um, previous to the, uh, I put my phone on silent, but it's ticking through my computer, and I've got all my Apple devices are synced up, and I'm an old man now and can never fucking remember how to. I, I just need to put it on Do Not Disturb, but um, I also need to be able to see um, potentially. You know, you know, I just like having messages on my my wife and mother-in-law are at SoFi Stadium at the Pink concert tonight, which they didn't even know they were going to until sometime yesterday when a friend of theirs who's working at a night market tonight um, selling food, uh, they've got like a barbecue stand, and she couldn't go to the the Pink concert that she had tickets for, so um, she offered them to my wife and mother-in-law, and they're there right now. So uh, I like to have my phone on and be able to see messages coming through when, you know, when your significant other is not with you, um, it's just, you know, one of those things that we husbands do, um, and, you know, wives and husbands and partners or whatever, you're in, you just want to make sure that everything's, you know, if the message comes through that you need to see, you know what I mean? Anyway, completely sidetracked again, but that's what I was saying, like, you, you have memories of the season, and I really appreciated getting that, because that's one of, I think I said to him in reply as well, I said, you know, it's, you know, sports, uh, you know, sports is, is about moments, um, we all want the premierships and stuff like that, but you know, so, you know, footy is just so much about those little moments as a fan as well that stick with you for you know, there's reasons. It doesn't matter. You know, I often go back to that. I've talked about it plenty of times in this podcast at points in the past about the Motlop goal again uh, the showdown. How I was on the hill and I remember the beers getting thrown up in the air, and then when this final siren goes, somehow it seems like the same amount of beers went up in the air again. It was only 20 seconds. How did everyone refill their cups? And I just remember this memory, and I remember being at the. Uh, Angus Monfrey's, you know, right angles um, goal and, and and many other, you know, the I was at the St Kilda prelim as well and I remember those moments so as a personal moment for me, they mean as much to me as, as you know, the grand final obviously means the win in 2004 is the ultimate but for my personal experience, you know, I watched the grand final sitting in my dad's mate's house that he had surround sound and a fucking projector and all that and he invited us over and and I watched it there, and I have great memories of that too. Like I, I was 16, and my dad gave me a gave me a, a bit. No, I think he gave me a cider, um, a Mercury Draft um, for those playing at home. Um, at some time through the fourth quarter, when I was finally starting to, my nerves was finally starting to settle, and he said, "All right, you know, here you go, son. You can have this to celebrate." Um, so I remember that. But then the actual visceral memory, of being in a game and experience something. You know, like a like Phil said with the that quarter against the Western Bulldogs and gather around is is something special to you, and that's what part of being a fan is. So that was really cool to hear about, and that was one of those little moments from the win streak. And as we look through the win streak, we um you know the next week I thought was it, and there's there's a couple of games that I'll pinpoint here. Um, you know the Hawthorne game I think was fine. Um, we won it. Um. Comfortably, comfortably enough, and we and we had it won with one of the best first halves that you can ever see, and they just piled on when we were we were just trying to just try to get through the game without getting hurt. Really, I think at the end of it, um, I think West Coast 
we're about to embark on a really terrible period period of play, and I think it was very disappointing that we couldn't beat them by more than 40 points at home. Um, their season was starting to really teeter at that point, and, but they, they remained reasonably competitive in that one and, and got a few easy goals on us. And that one... That one's kind of one of those games you look at and go, this is why we didn't build up the percentage and why we didn't um, have a season, because uh, this was back in April. 16-13 to 10-9, we win by 40 points at Adelaide Oval. That's fine, it's West, but West Coast were a team that, as we saw, you know, fucking, was it... Was, did Tex score 19 goals against just West Coast this year? Like, teams that had a plan and worked them out, like, they could, they could fucking score at will on them. And... and uh, at times, our game plan just didn't allow for uh, piling the pressure on consistently. Um, whereas you've got teams um, that did. I think I looked, and I think it's actually interesting to compare and contrast the uh, opposing styles of the two teams in Adelaide this year. Because Adelaide, you know, they didn't make finals for reasons um, that are incredibly hilarious and funny. Um, they also deserve to win that game. Obviously, I'm just being I'm just being um, a dick as I can, and their fans are dicks all the time. So why not? Um, but you, you look at games that they lost that ultimately meant that that keys goal goal. Uh, well, it's not even a quotation. It was a goal. Um, the reason they missed finals wasn't just that decision. That decision is the, the one that stings. But you know the reason they're in that position is because they dropped games that they shouldn't have so they, you know, they were insipid against the Western Bulldogs over in Ballarat and they lost up in Darwin and they can complain all they want about the travel and what not but you've still you know you've still got to go along and win those because um, we always um, so but when they did perform well they really performed well and so you could say well Port were at least banking the points and getting the points on the board yes um, that that much is true but then you look at the likes of Carlton and GWS who struggled through the middle part of the season and then famously were in 14th and 15th respectively. What was it, back at the start of August maybe? Or at the end of mid, mid to end, middle end of eight weeks to go, the math, round 15. Probably started July actually. But um, they, uh, you know, they had real rough rough points. But then when they, they, when they clicked, they really clicked. And they didn't let off, and they and they just played with they you know the kind of play that Carlton and um, GWS played with at the end of the season was kind of what we we looked like we were trying to gear up for in the middle of the year. And um, not that I'm saying I want to change anything for about the middle of the year went overall, like you know grinding out results against some of these teams. But we really need to find a way to not hamstring ourselves in these results that. You know, we we kind of seem to go into games with game plan just to just to get the result rather than actually play football for four quarters, so to speak. And I think sometimes these games against the likes of West Coast and North Melbourne or Hawthorne, that you know, North Melbourne we ended up winning by seventy points, but that was, you know, we were a l- we kind of got there in the end against in, against that one rather than coming out firing and. Um, and they didn't, you know, we were all worried about how they, they'd handled Jason Horn Francis in that game, and they really didn't, um, you know, there was nothing shot there, so it was just like, it was actually just a game of football, um, which is good, and I respect that from North Melbourne. Um, it was good to see that none of that stuff came out in that game, but, um, but yeah, we're going to these games kind of, and it's good coaching to game plan for opposition specifically, but then you also need to 
game plan around your own and kind of have the confidence in your own brand of footy as well. And sometimes I thought at times this year that we, we played down opposition then tried to play up. Because then, you know, the week after North Melbourne, we go we have Melbourne at home in one of the games of the year and in the rain and, and Butters has that incredible performance and, and, and we play really well and get a win against um, a top four side at Melbourne were, even if Melbourne's year was a bit indifferent as well. Um, they were a top four side. They went out in straight sets as well, yes. Um, but they were still a top four side and playing some decent footy at times this year. Um, so, you know, it's just, it, it's hard to reconcile only beating West Coast by 40 points at home, but then you know, beating Melbourne and, and going over and beating the Saints at the Saints at the time of playing good footy and, um, you know, and a win against, uh, I think, a, a Dave Lloyd on, on Twitter as well um, mentioned the win against Richmond over at the MCG, which is a tough... We don't win over there very often and we don't get to play at the MCG very often. And um, Richmond, even if having an indifferent year again, they were a decent side at the time. I think they were playing okay footy. Um but yeah, then we go across to Marvel and beat the Dogs. And then I think one of our best quarters, the halves of footy against, you know, Geelong didn't make the eight this year and they, they weren't the side they were last year. But they were still a pretty good side at that point. They were still battling for um, finals at that point, certainly. Um, and we go into the bye, uh, uh, beating Geelong, which gets us 11 games in a row and, and, and get a good win there. And I thought, and this is, this is the tipping point of our season, I think. I think we... Um, I think that Geelong game was the last time that we played with that freedom of fire that we've had we had for most of the year uh, up to that point. Um, I thought we were really we started ticking into some good footy when we beat North Melbourne, then Melbourne, go over and beat Richmond. That Hawthorne first half was great. We beat Western Bulldogs at Marvel, and then we beat Geelong at home by thirty eight points. Um, and have a really and really finish that game strong and go into the bye. And it's that that point of the season I think that things kind of just tipped off. At that, negatively, um, unfortunately, because we come out after the bye and uh, we play Essendon over in over in Melbourne, and you know it's it's a win and one that is incredibly memorable with one of the goals of the year, and um, I will bite back at anyone that um, criticises the, you know I had I had a crack at a couple of people on Twitter that were um, and people that I respect their um, opinions, but I will you know. Um, I will call out people that uh, that say things that I think are dumb, just straight up dumb. And uh, some people that were saying Houston's goal didn't even deserve to be anywhere near the uh, top three of the goal of the year, which because um, Ashcroft and and had no chance of beating Ashcroft. And I just think I as and I think any you know we could all go to the boundary of a of a of a game, of the boundary of a game, the boundary of a, you know, your local park oval and, and try Ashcroft's thing. And it's probably going to come off, um, you know, you know, 45 out of 50 times, you're probably just going to absolutely shank it. A couple of times you get close and you might hit a couple of them. It's not, it's, it's pretty hard because the acrobatics of what he did. And I, I, I said earlier in the year, I was on a, a podcast episode of Donnie Hess, uh, Donnie's disposal. Um, no, and that was right after that goal, I think. And I said, that's just got to be goal of the year. It's just incredible acrobatics and, and intuition and instinct, um, which is what it was. But, and it is deservedly win. I think it, it did win goal of the year, um, deservedly. And I have no problem with it. What I had a problem with was people saying that Houston's 
was somehow easier or or didn't deserve to be in the same discussion. That's what I bite back at. I'm like not dis- diminishing Ashcroft's goal. I'm just saying Houston's goal degree of difficulty is just as much. It's after the siren. There's mental pressure, which don't discount that. Ninety percent of footy and sports in general is between the years. Um, it's all mental, um, and that was mental toughness personified there. So that's all that. So it's all the mental side of it. Then there's the execution of knocking went in from fifty on, uh, you know, on an angle. Um, you've got a, you know, you. Your ball drop, your uh, your follow through, everything's got to be perfect, especially kicking fifty because of what people do a lot. And Houston's got a decent boot on him, but he's not like he's not Stewie Jew. He's just got a decent. He's got a boot that can get fifty. At that point, I think that was still on his limit, and he had to execute it absolutely perfectly. He had to do that, and there's not many people that could. I think if you go down and have fifty shots, doing what Houston did, um, and fifty shots at what Ashcroft did you're more than likely to hit one of Ashcroft's than Houston's um, and put the people on the line, do all that stuff, the same thing. I don't know, maybe, you know, it depends. And some people have just got big boots, so they might be more of a chance. But all of us that, you know, maybe some of us struggle to kick, you know, fucking 35, 40 um, uh, with any accuracy. Uh, beyond that is a fucking, is just a shit show. Um, you know, Ashcroft is at least within the realm of most people because it's, it's distance isn't a factor. It's just the acrobatics and all that stuff of it. And again, I'm not saying it didn't deserve to win goal of the year. I just think that the people diminishing Houston's need to give it, put a lot more respect on its name because the, the the mental battle of doing what he the, the mental battle, just the mentality to, to to be calm in that moment. To both, first of all, he took the mark and just said, "No, I'm taking this kick, balls," and then um, and then to take the kick and execute it as well as he did was fantastic but that did patch over what was a pretty poor performance coming out of the bye um there was all the stats about people teams that all the teams that are lost after the bye and maybe that's a thing but it just shouldn't be because i don't know it just shouldn't um i know but but it did unfortunately seem to be a reset for our season a little bit the next week we come out and play gold uh, gold coast at home and you know gold coast had some plucky results this year but overall we're just the gold coast that unfortunately has been the gold coast of their time as a club in the AFL, and there's a reason that they, you know, I think Stewie Jew was a decent coach, and but they've moved on from him, and um, but yeah, that that we win by 33 points in the end, but uh, that first half of that game was pretty pretty average as well, and then we go and we're kind of starting to nurse a few injuries, and we go to go to Carlton and 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 make a few changes, and everyone keeps saying we we rest. I think we we rested players, but they they also had injuries, so it's not the it's you know, you've got to manage players through a season. Unfortunately, we just didn't do it right. But um, they also were um, there were a few players pretty banged up, and I think Horn Francis came out of his rest better. So I think he needed um, needed to settle the back. I think he had a slight back soreness or something like that. Um, you know, but losing that that Carlton game was pretty pretty horrific. Uh, we come back and have one of the games of the year against Collingwood, where we'll ultimately lose. Um, and then, obviously, I've, I kind of talked about the showdowns in tandem earlier, but we we again have an incredibly disappointing game against the Crows. Uh, they kick 16-16 to our nine goals, 11. Um, so that's you know 12 more scoring shots. They they demolish us, um, and it's really quite disappointing. Go down to GMHBA and and lose uh, by 12 points, which is a fit. You know, it's a hard place to go and play. But again, we we lose, and, and uh, we've gone from. I think I said after we lost to Carlton, I said, don't be surprised if there's a losing streak here, and we end up losing four in a row. Um, so it was a season of streaks. Um, apart from our one win in a row at the start of the year, we never 
we never went win-loss, win-loss or anything at any point in this season again. It was all streaks, including the finals, unfortunately. Um, but then we win the last three matches of the season. But again, uh, I think the Greater Western Sydney result was probably their only really actually good game in since the bye. I mean, the Collingwood one, you can say, was, was a very good performance against a good team. Um surprisingly one that we kicked uh, reasonably straight in. Kicked more goals. The, the one game that we just kick well and kick more goals, they still win. And that's part of our problem is sometimes we don't execute well enough to, to capitalize on, um, you know, we either kick like shit or uh, um, oh, no, no, we didn't. Sorry, I'm reading I'm reading the scoreboard wrong. We, we, we didn't kick more goals. They kicked straight. And again, so this is Again, this actually goes to my point that I was really originally trying to make. Um, apologies, I'm recording this. At, uh, I've had a long day, um, but yeah, we, we we again just didn't take advantage of opportunities, and Collingwood kicked incredibly well. Um, but yeah, we I think the uh, Greater Western Sydney game in uh, in round 22 was one of the better results we've had had after the after the buy, and really the only good good game that we played, um, looking really nice and fly in those. Uh, those retro kits, uh, which was good, good fun to see, and that was a little fun part of the season again. I'm um, looking forward to getting mine. Uh, I was at my parents at the moment. Uh, shout out to uh, Dave Lloyd again for hook, helping me get hooked up with that one. Um, but yeah, then we go across to Frio, indifferent game. Richmond at home, indifferent again. Um, we get the results, but it's just there was some. The vibes are a little fucky at the end of the year. Um, and of course. I'm not going to dwell on this too much because I, 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 we only just gone through it. Um, but yeah, we go go out to Brisbane, lose by 48 points. I think we had moments in that game we could have. But again, that Brisbane game was the junk time goals, the patchiness, all that stuff that was um, stuff that's played just throughout the year. I talked about it at the start there. That came to the fore against Brisbane. We had some mitigating circumstances and the injuries and the and the kind of um, attrition that happened in that third quarter with uh, McKenzie going off and then Dylan Williams and then just and then the, the, we just got overrun at the end um, and then we were just we were flat and disappointing and, and pretty fucking shit um, to be quite honest to finish the year against Greater Western Sydney who we'd only only just beaten by uh, you know almost nine goals five weeks before so um, a pretty disappointing end to the season that as I uh, as I hope you've seen as I talk through it I think it just was coming uh, and frustratingly so after having such a good middle period of the year we just didn't manage the end of the year well um, and injuries and, and managing players through that and all that stuff was a part of that um, but you know when and this is and people have said it you know when the coach comes out and says at the start of the year it's the best list he's had then you, you, you're tying your own noose there a little bit um, I, you know, I want my coach to be confident in their list and all that stuff. But, you know, you can, whether you say it privately, publicly, whatever. It's it's this whole sport of modern AFL and modern sports in general, whether it be NBA, AFL, English Premier League, NFL, whatever it be. It's half an entertainment league as well. And they're expected to make these comments and whatnot. So it is what it is. But um, to just whimper out of the whimper out of the end of the year, we, we I mean, we lost, we won three of our last... Fuck me! Just the quick math isn't happening anymore. Um, my wife got home. She, she's started a new job, which is fantastic. Um, she had a not like one of the co-workers turned twenty-one. Yes, one of the younger ones uh, turned twenty-one yesterday, and they went out to a bar until like one o'clock in the morning. Which what, my wife doesn't drink much. She uh, I think she had one drink at the start of the night, and then just hung out for the next five hours. And 
and got home just before one o'clock last night. And of course, I, I like doze off, and I'm always you know you never sleep quite as well until they you know they get home to you. If you're expecting them to come, like if she was staying in a hotel, or whatever, it would be fine. But you know, because I knew she was coming home, I wanted to make sure she got home okay. So I was up late, and then the alarm goes off at seven o'clock in the morning. It's just like oh god. So my eyes are feeling heavy right now as I look at this. But yeah, we lost. Uh, what was it? That's six of our last nine were losses. Um, so it's pretty, when you look at that, it's, in fine, it's from round 18 inclusive through the end of the finals. Um, you know, after a 13-game winning streak to go just three and three and six, um, it's pretty disappointing. Um, and to go out of the finals, and people make a big deal about straight sets. You you, you know, just because you finish top four, you get that second chance, but you can play in pretty good sides. And as we saw, GWS were very close to getting through to the grand final. So they were just, they were just in form and... And we were not, and uh, you know, same with you know Carlton on the other side of the other on the other side of the ledger. So, um, yeah, it's a very very disappointing way to the end, end the season. And as I said, and as I hope you've note, noted through me talking about that the season games, I've tried to do this as quickly as possible. So I want to keep this to an hour and a half, even though I know it's going to be a longer episode. But um, I'm almost at an hour now, fifty six minutes. So we've gotten through the season as it was kind of in stages uh, and I think you've seen that we kind of everything that the season was going to be we we saw at the start of the year for me um, we saw the flash and the brilliance of when our team seems to have that confidence but as I said talking about the Houston goal and everything like that it's 90% between the years and when the when the going gets tough we just don't get going enough um, and that's been it's been, and I could I say that, but then I look at you know look at some of those results against Melbourne when we were we were punched in the mouth and we came back and 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 kicked a good score at the end of the game to get ourselves ahead and and win by four points at the end of the game. Like we never said, we never say die, but it just we we didn't do enough to we were just in that position a bit too often this year, which betrays a certain softness at times. You know, you look at Collingwood and how they won games. You know, last year, people did say that about Collingwood last year. Oh, they won too many close ones and um, and they didn't, you know, but then they come through and they were dominant this year. And, and you see, But dominance is important. And I think we just went, even though we won the games to get ourselves a top four position, we weren't dominant enough at times this year. Um, and that ultimately was our downfall because when a game was tough, we didn't have that understanding of how to do- assert dominance in a way that could could rest momentum at the pointy end of the season. Doing it you know, halfway in the middle of the season is important to get the wins on the board because it's all about getting runs on the board to get yourself into the finals. That's all important as well. But you need to have, you need to be building towards something. And I just don't think we managed the last month or so, the last couple of months of the season well at all. Since the bye, we just didn't have a and whether there was a play, you know, I'm not in the end. I don't have any knowledge. I don't know coaches or the team at all. Like I'm just a fan, but it just from the outside just looked like a team that uh, was almost surprised to get to to have a winning streak like that. And I was just like, oh f- fuck, we're a top four team now. What? How do we? We need to. We need to figure out how we're going to manage the end of the season. And we just didn't figure it out. And that's just how it feels to me. Um, I could be way off base. I don't know. That's just how it looks from the outside. Um, just a team that. After last year, we were expecting improvement again, but we we maybe, you know, kind of Icarus in 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 Homer's The Odyssey, we flew a little bit too close to the sun. Am I remembering my classical literature the right way? That was The Odyssey, right? Icarus flying too close to the sun. Anyway, whatever. Um, we've kind of flew too close to the sun in the middle of the year there, and then you know the wings melted a little bit at the end of the season. So, um, 
yeah, that's the season that was. Now, I'll take a quick break here, you know, grab some water. I wish I had some beers at the house, to be honest, to just loosen up a little bit because it might ironically wake me up a little bit. But I do not, so I'm just going to drink some water and recoup. I might actually make a coffee. Might, that might be the way to go. I'll come back and I'll talk about some of the, twi- uh, the Twitter input about the uh, players of the year, which I think the top three pretty pretty solid but uh, the reason I said top five was I wanted to see what who people had behind the likes of Butters, Rosie and Houston so that was interesting um, game of the year was interesting as well um, from people's input and there was some varied input there but there was one that I think showed up a bit more than others and one that I tend to agree with although there's a good, you could pick a couple really but um, yeah we'll be back in a moment and I'll spend half an hour just talking about a few of those things and and kind of wrap up the season that was Alrighty, so I put the call out on Twitter. I was like, I have my ideas for the um, my top players of the year, um, which I think the top three was pretty um, locked in anyway. Uh, not that all Australian is the be-all and end-all, but I just think for uh, just the uh, kind of how the season went, I think Houston's... Um, I think Butters and Rosie were clear in a way top two. And uh, there is one response I had uh, from some of the responses I got on Twitter that had Drew, I think, above. I think Drew third... Uh, uh, and uh, uh, Houston fourth uh, in their list, but beyond that, all the all the lists that pretty much came through is Butters, Rosie, Houston, one, two, three. Um, but shout out to um, let me just find who it was. I know I've got the list here. Um, uh, it was Gianni Morrow. So there you go. He had no, no, it wasn't him. He had Houston. Oh, it was it was Philip Downs who, who I was talking about earlier at the uh, gather round match. He had Butters, Rosie, um, and then Drew, then Houston, then Bergman. Um, so, buddy, but just just you know, that one being, and Drew look had a fantastic year, and I think is underrated in the midfield there, and does does a lot of the, uh, I guess the un the the things you just don't want to have, you know, some of the dirty work and and the unsung hero stuff and the tagging and all that stuff that he does. Um, I think his year was as good as you could expect from um, the role he plays. A lot of the time, when a game is going against you, is sometimes when people will go, oh, what's Drew? Is, you know. You've got guys that are there to push the pace and do the thing, and 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 Drew's role on this side isn't isn't that exactly as to win the ball and and to disrupt and play disruptor a little bit for the opposition midfield as well. So um, I think his year was as good as it as good as you could hope for from his role and his development, and he continues to d- develop and be a key part of the side, which is really exciting. But you know, beyond that, Butters, Rosie, Houston was one, two, three from everyone. The interesting thing was the last two places. Um, the first result I got from um, Sammy Power, friend of the uh, longtime friend of uh, the show account, whatever you want to call it. Um, he had SPP fourth and and Rioli fifth. Uh, he was the only one that had Rioli in his top five, um, but I respect that. I like that Rioli got some respect on his name. I don't have him in my top five, uh, but um, I respect that people saw his um, year as. I think he had a, a really good first year. Had some disruptions. There was some um, a couple of suspensions and whatever, uh, but beyond that, he especially towards the end of the year, um, I thought he really started to f- look comfortable in that forward line, explosive, uh, winning the ball and kicking goals because playing that small forward role, particularly in our system, um, the small forwards can sometimes get hung out to dry a little bit as far as you know fan uh, fan um, and you know angst uh, when it's not going well for us but I think Rioli um, especially in the finals really showed up as best as he could um, considering how we were playing um, and toward down the stretch of the season he you know he looked fit um, and happy and, and energized to play his role and and kick goals and and be a real and you know he gets around the ground a little bit as well 
um, and overall, I was really impressed with his role. So um, to see him get some respect on his name with that that top five uh, placing from um, Sam was uh, was good. So and SPP shows up in a few other lists. Um, 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 the great man Anthony Alessiani had SPP fourth, uh, Bergman fifth. Bergman is one that shows up in a lot, and I think that's um, that's a good. Uh, I think Bergman's start of the year was red hot. Um, he was. Yeah, you had some people go, God, it could be on an Australian pace. It fell off a little bit, but overall, I think his year was pretty good. Um, and he's in a lot of the, he's in a lot of the lists. Uh, probably the most popular list of uh, I got in response was um, a mixture of it was Butters, Rosie, Houston, and then um, a few people putting uh, SPP in there. But Bergman and Drew were the two um, that get thrown in there. Uh, like I said, Aaliyah pops into a few. There was uh, Christian Romeo. Uh, Romeo, uh, but it was Butters, Rosie, Houston, Bergman, Allier. Um There was a Monty uh, La Monstars who had Butters, Rosie, Houston, Allier, and then he had hard to split SPP, Bergman, Drew, but he has Bergman in there as his fifth. So, but from what I see, um, it's a mixture of uh, there is a few with SPP in there actually. So I'd say that I'd say the the general sentiment is Butters, Rosie, Houston, Bergman. Um, fourth, based on the metrics of who, and I'm just doing a, I'm just doing a math, math in my head as I read through these. I was going to try and list it out and try to figure out the percentages of who said what. And I was just, ah, fuck it. I'm just going to chat about it. Um, so, Butters, Rosie, Houston, definitely top three, and that's my top three f- as well. From the, what I got from um, the Twitter sphere, I've, I think Bergman's probably gets in there as fourth, and then it's probably probably splitting between SPP and Drew. And uh, I think Drew just shades it from the, the Twitter Twitter feedback. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of... The, you could generally say that Butters, Rosie, uh, Houston, and... And uh, and here I go, blanking. Uh, Bergman and Drew are probably the top five that seem to have impressed most people. With honourable mentions to SPP um, and Aaliyah. And uh, Rioli, and even uh, there was one of the replies uh, from Daniel Power said uh, Dylan Williams gets an honourable mention as well. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have Williams in my top 10 or anything as w- at all, but he had a good middle period of the year. Um, but, you know, he's, uh, there was players that had a, played better, I think. Um, but, you know, Williams certainly had a good... Uh, played his role to a T, and I know when he came into the side in that Sydney game, people were like, what the fuck are we bringing Dylan Williams in for? And then, you know, four weeks later, it's like, well, what the fuck do we know, you know? Um, so yeah, he, he you know he deserves a honourable mention there. Um, so yeah, that's what kind of the feedback I got was. Now let's, I'll give you my top five. All right, so yeah, my top five of the year: Butters, obviously. I think um, I'll give a quick grade here. I'm just going to go through and grade performances quickly without actually really looking back on it. I just want to go like basically off of it's the vibe. It's just the vibes, right? Um, but top five for the year um, for me is Butters. I think he had an I think he had an A A plus season for where he's at in his career. I think he he dom- he dominated the competition. Was up there with the Brownlow. Wins the coaches award, which you know there's some talk about how maybe that's the one that is possibly worth more uh, prestige as far as uh, what we saw from that shambolic uh, Brownlow count at times this year. Um, and you know the season didn't end well, but I think if you're going to give someone an A plus. I think for Butters to break out this year the way he did and take the competition by storm, some of the things he does is just is generational, like the way he moves his body and, and the way he executes his kicks. Like those little those little jab step kicks he does where he kind of slows his pace and just 
puts a little like he doesn't follow through because he's just putting a little jab on it and and hits it perfectly and and just his situational awareness in games and all that stuff uh, for those moments. Now sometimes it doesn't come off, um, but you need players that try the impossible and execute it more often than not, like he does. To uh, you know, you, sides that win premierships have players like that in them more more or less um so his the way he took his game and all his individual talents and made them work for the side this year um was a real pleasure to see and i think we all knew this the kind of player that was within him but those injury troubles over the last year and a half previous to this had um somewhat stemmed that tide but um a year that it was pretty much injury free um let us see what the best of butters is and and long may it continue because it's fucking beautiful to watch. Um, number two, obviously, is Rosie. He needs a solid A on the season. Um, you know, he uh, he, cont- he continued where he's ended last year and solidified his position in that midfield. I think there's another level for him to go um, to be truly dominant um, in his role. But um, and as one of the top tier players in the competition, but wins an Australia All Australian jacket again, uh, two in a row now for for Rosie. And, uh, you know, there's so much more ahead of him for his career as well. So, like, while I, I think, um, you know, Butters was the one that had the absolute standout year, um, I think Rosie was close behind. Um, if I'm grading it, it's just below an A+. I just think he had... There were some games that he, you know, he struck... He, both of them, and I think Butters had those games as well, but I just think because Butters was this his, was his breakout year, he deserves that top grade, Um and I think Butters in that final, I think they were all quiet in that GWS final. But Butters was the one that really tried to exert some influence in that second half against GWS and still ended up with 25-odd touches um, when everyone else was a bit poor. Um, I think that just helped me tip him over tip over the edge to the A+. But Rosie, uh, for all, you know, some of those little moments throughout the season that his influence was probably needed a little bit more, I think overall he solidified his position. These guys are still, what, 23, so... You know they're a few, they're a couple of years away from even hitting that, that those kind of prime years, and they're already playing at this level. So, um, you know, really really good stuff. Houston A plus um, for the, his story coming from the rookie draft, um, coming from nowhere as far as you know your your pre draft pedigree and all that stuff to come in, um, and he's been building like this for a couple of years now. Um, he's he became an integral part of the squad really a few years ago. Um, but to elevate it to another level this year is dashing off half back and that that beautiful boot of his, um, and to play the and some of the high disposal numbers in games that he had, um, he's really trying to get the you know some he's he's exerting influence off of that position off half back, which is very important for te- comp teams that are playing at the top level. Um, I think uh, that's just you know the kind of stuff that you need from a player like him. You know, getting like 30, 38, 40 touches in some games. And particularly, as I said, that you know that we shouldn't need to be kicking a game a goal after the siren against Essen in that game, but for him to step up in that position, I think was just one of the moments of his career, and and he deserves um, and yeah, getting that All Australian jacket was a was a tip of the cap to just what was a great year. And um, as I said, it somewhat may seem like somewhat of a cop out to say top three are all the All Australian getters, but. There was no no one, you know. Sometimes you have those all Australian teams, and and Rosie was even guilty of uh, a cop a bit of this last year. It was like, it, does he really deserve a spot? But there's no there's no question with the, the three Port Adelaide players that got into the side this year, and and I think that is warranted in them being our top three players of the year. My fourth best, I, it, it, this was tough after you get past the top three because I think there was a lot of players that 
start of the year hot or had good periods but then tapered off or they finished well or, and actually not too many finished extremely well but um, I've got SPP fourth um, I think he just he solidified and, and over the last couple of seasons we've seen him grow as a person and 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 solidify kind of his role in this side and, and I think some of his some of his qualities that we love such as his, his he's gotten better at bursting through tackles and stiff arming and no arguing occasionally it's still frustrating when he gets caught in one because you go for fuck's sake but then you don't want to take it away because that's sometimes where some of that explosiveness and some of those goals come from um i think for the year for me i give him an a minus i think he just there was a little bit of tapering off at the end of the year but i don't think that's totally down to him i think the entire squad tapered off a little bit and struggled um down the stretch so I think he was borderline top three right up until, you know, probably the last six, four to six weeks of the season. Um, but still had a great, great year overall and and is really is coming into... After, you know, a couple of years ago, possibly, you know, people were talking about him as trade bait. Um, he's uh, he's solidified himself as one of the top players in the competition in kind of the role he plays. And he's, he's a real cult figure and... and and I, I just love the way I just love the way he goes about it. It's always exciting. It's it's always good when you have those players. It's just exciting when they they charge at the ball and they get the ball and you just go, what's going to happen? And SP's he's you know, Power Pepper's just kind of one of those players. So for me, that's an A minus season, and, and I'm pretty happy with where it. Like like I said, I think he just he dropped off a little bit at the end of the year and and or you know, second half of the year because I think people you know there was could he be all Australian after those first you know especially during that win streak at times, but um, still for what he does for us, really really happy with it. And I think fifth for me is um, Willem Drew. I think he had um, yeah, probably an A minus, but geez, you could say it's a solid A because in his role and what he does, just what I was talking about before, I think he he does. I keep hitting. I'm, I'm talking with my hands. I keep hitting my leg, and I'm realizing there could be a. If you're hearing a just a steady, occasional slapping sound, it's just me slapping my own leg as I'm talking with my hands, um, as I just did it again. Um, so that's happening. Um, I remember hearing once in Friends how they like tied weights to Jennifer Aniston's hands um, to stop it, like to try to tr- stop her doing too much gesturing so much. I don't know if that was actually real or if it was just something I read as like one of those random false rumor things. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, Willem Drew, I think in his role and what he does, I just think he's really underrated. Love what he does. Um, absolutely adore it. And um, just think he continued his development quietly this year whilst a lot of others like your rosies your butters and obviously horn francis coming in as well took there's a lot of limelight on others and then some maybe some negative when we get to the likes of boke and wines as well that drew just plugged along nicely doing what he does and shutting down some of the game's best um out there at times and and just gathering ball getting getting clearances as well tackles and all those just he just does the, the quiet dirty work um so efficiently and cleanly ironically and um, I'm just really, really happy he's part of our side, and I think he deserves some plaudits there. So um, that's my top five. Um, and then probably honourable mentions, obviously, Lear and Bergman. I think Bergman started off like a house on fire, and I just think he he just settled into the season towards the second half and was never bad. Like, and I think it was still pretty high level, just not quite um, at times... I think I missed his influence at times. Like, just at times, I would have liked a little bit more from Bergman, but um, really happy that we've got him signed on for a couple more years and... Um, and and I think he's going to go to another level next year as well. Uh, so Bergman, um, did I mention? Yeah, Lear, considering that how fucking patched up that back line was, and he was as well. I think he was battling niggles all year, and he just 
fucking plugs away and obviously some highlight moments such as that that Sydney game but overall just really impressed with um, what he continues to do down there and in a back line that's uh, just a rotating cast member of guys next to him at times and um, obviously he seems to have a good understanding with Trent McKenzie back there and some of our best footy was when they were both fit and firing back there but um, yeah and speaking of Trent McKenzie this is not over mentioned to him as well as like he comes in and you know I'd give Alir um Mackenzie and Bergman um, all probably just solid A minuses on the year, I think. Um, Rioli as well. I think uh, he's, as those are the guys that kind of came in and did everything they could, I think, for the year. Um, even, yeah, I'm, not, I'm talking Jed McIntyre anywhere close to, and people are going to fucking hate it because they hated the end of his year. Um, as soon as we started going badly, then people started questioning Jed McEntee. When it was going well, it was fine. Um, and there is some there is some credence to that idea. It's when it's going badly, who are the ones that are most at vulnerable? And maybe maybe we should have looked at Orazio towards the end of the year, but then Orazio, every time he comes in, he seems to get injured. So that was, that was neither here nor there. But um, I think McEntee had the best... You know, I think that's a B-plus year for him, I guess. So I guess... A minus wise, you know, probably all the A's are A's are out now because I think you're starting to get into guys that had B, B to B plus years. Um, but I think McIntyre was probably a B plus year, I guess, because I think he did. You know, considering he's a mid season draft pick, no one expected him to do, do much, but he's come in. His kick for goals pretty good. He kicked some clutch goals at times. I know he snapped a few here and there, but you know, his role playing the pressure forward when it was going well was really good. Um, he played it really well. It's just when when the overall structure and system started to break down towards the end of the year is when his influence started to, to wane, but that's not all on him, unfortunately. It's just how he's used and how we're coaching, the team is being coached is just, that's just, he's the scapegoat. Unfortunately, he became the scapegoat in that situation, which was, again, understandable at times. I didn't like some of the things that people said on Twitter. You know, again, some people just go too far on Twitter by personally attacking a player that's just out there trying to do the role they're being tasked with. And if the game's going against them, then that's just what it is. So, yeah, take a quick break and look at the rest of the squad and, and some of the maybe some of the other players that had pretty good years but maybe not spectacular and then some of the ones that had some disappointing years as well. Alrighty, so now I'm just going to run through the rest. I'm just taking the squad and going by a jumper number now and, and running through it. Um, players will get a mark or not based on, you know, if they played or not really, so some won't get really anything. Um, Tom Jonas, obviously the captain, uh, retired this year. I think his year, year gets... I think considering where his body was at and all that stuff, you, you give him a C minus and just say you passed because I think he had a he started pretty average um, and then got dropped and and in and out injuries, suspension, all those things. It was a bad start. But I think he came in at the end of the year and actually played okay at the end of the year and uh, off field and, and everyone talks about you know it's, you know captaincy so much more than what you do just on the field and um, I think he handled I think considering he's the captain of the side and 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 the year they were having and the year he the year we were having at times very successful versus his year personally unsuccessful but just always turning up and and playing his role and all that stuff I think uh, I think you've got to give him a tip of the cap there and he's been a great servant for our club for a long time and um, a great character, um, having had the pleasure of having a, spending a night drinking some wine with him and all that stuff with one of those, one of his wine dinners and, and getting to see him out in his in his relaxed capacity because it was in the off season, so he was enjoying his wine fairly well that night as well. Um, and getting to 
you know chat to him pretty pretty openly and just chat about footy and life and all those kind of things he's 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 a good bloke so um not that I'm giving grades based on that but I think that goes into his captaincy and what he did to you know you could see any other club being successful having a good successful year and having a captain sit like that and and have it be an issue but it just never became an issue with our club you know outside noise tried to make it a thing like well you know they dropped their captain but you know internally it didn't seem to be a problem certainly with the fans either so uh, C minus, which is you know C's get degrees, it's pass mark. Um, you know that's it. Sam Powerpepper, I've already talked about. Um, he's he was you know great year. Ryan Burton, good start, decent middle, faded off at the end. Not even talking about the uh, the um, and I think this is something we've come up with a few players. I liked when we tried things list uh, you know position, positional wise. It's good to have a kind of total football approach to things at times with players that can. Uh, do that, but I think Burton got shunted around so much that actually, you know, he was up forward for a bit, and then he's down back, and then just without shuffling, he's he was just the one that lost some form through that. So, I think I give him a C for the year because uh, I think he had a pretty good start, but then he had some pretty um, average moments towards the, down the stretch as well, which isn't alone for him. I think he's still an incredible talent. He's only what 25, 26 now, I think, and you know, 25 maybe still. He's still got so much footy ahead of him, and um, and is a great talent, and still just an incredible uh, boon to get out of that Chad Wingard trade, and we've won that trade fair and square at this point. So, um, yeah, C for the year for him. Uh, Todd Marshall, got C plus maybe. I think, I think uh, I I give him a, a, a benefit of the doubt that some of the injuries and concussions and all that stuff uh, played a role there. Um, I think, uh, unfortunately, his kicking, but his accuracy deserted him. And I think Marshall himself is such a confidence player that when when there's a little bit of that injury niggle and all that stuff, like a lot of the mechanics go away a little bit. And we saw a bit of that this year. We saw what he can do last year, and I think he can return to that as long as the injuries are kind to him. But I just think this year, just it didn't, it never, he never got a consistent enough run at it. And then our forward line, you know, was mishmash at times you're playing with different guys that leading leading forwards that were like you know the likes of you know he started the year alongside Dixon which I think is probably was good for him but then you know then you're, Dixon's getting injured and you got you're mixing up Finlayson in there and then Ollie Lord at times and just the forward line structure never quite clicked and I think Marshall was just between injuries and all those things just it kind of kind of got away from him a little bit there so um Dan Houston we talked about Kane Farrell give him a solid B minus I think he he's one of those ones that just plays his role B a B maybe he plays his role I think he's one of those guys that you you you, you play um, you know, he's one of those players that is going to play well based on how the rest of the team's playing, and his influence is going to be felt more when when that's you know, if the, if everything's going past him in his role, then it's it's not exactly down to him. Um, he's not going to be, but when it's going well, you know, I just didn't have much problem with his year. I think some of the things there's some players that when the games. When things are going badly, uh, they're, they're just influence is muted, and it's not on them. It's just it's just the way the game goes. So um, Dersma started well. Injuries, I you know I think his first couple of games, I think he he looked confident, and fit, and, and happy again, and and had that burst of speed. You know, last year when he came back from that injury, he just looked a little bit you know. He'd, but this year he came in. And looked like he was um, hunting the ball, ready for contact, ready to get in and under and, and play some hard footy. And I was really excited with his first... I can't remember when he got injured. Was it, I think it was a month in or so. I could be misremembering completely, but I feel like he played a month of solid footy before he got injured. And then, again, just unsighted 
for a while and then came back in and and knee injuries and whatnot are just hard to hard to bounce back from straight away and he just never found his footing again so you know at the start of the year I would have given him a solid A but you know by the end of the year you just go I just go C plus because I think he it's not all on him um, but uh, it's just unfortunate it's just the year it was for him so I don't put that on him it's just you know you, you don't put enough work in so to speak and uh, not not that he didn't put enough work in I just mean like talking about it in a, in a collegiate sense if you're not putting if you're not if the assignments aren't deep enough then you're just going to get like an average grade and again like I'm, this letter grading thing by the way is kind of a douchey thing to do sometimes but it's just my way of trying to rate the season and there's nothing there's no personal attack against any of these players or anything by the way but um josh sin not enough uh you know came came in off the bench a couple of times off the subs bench and just not enough there so that gets a uh, not applicable zach butters talked about great and travis boat fuck it's a c i think i think it's a c i it's a uh, it's one of those years that was unfortunate in the fact that we saw him come off the bench a bit. Um, he came in underdone injured, and there was obviously that footage from the showdown earlier in the year where it looked like he shirked it. But I think that was just a... Having seen 300-plus games of Travis Spoke, we know he's not that kind of player. And um, the injuries and then just the fact that he was asked to play a different role this year with the emergence of Butters and Rosie, which, isn't again, isn't on him at all. But I just think it's one of those disappointing down years. But I think he's got more to give. I think he played a, he, his finals... Um, he was one of the better ones on the day against. Uh, I think I think I'm remembering right. I feel like GWS. He was probably one of the ones that turned up more than any other. And you know, it's uh, you know, I I can't give a fail grade for a year that he was tasked with a tough role and he tried to do it as best as he could, considering his age profile as well. I just got to give him give him benefit of the doubt there. And and yeah. Um, all right, so that's Travis Boak 10. I'm just going to take a quick break. I've got a coffee sitting there. I want to finish that off, and then I'll run through the rest of the squad here quickly. Uh, I'll try to do it a little bit quicker than I've been going. All righty, we'll, tr- we'll try to finish this off a little bit quicker now. All right, so Finlayson. Um, God, I would have set a solid A for two-thirds of the two-thirds of the year or maybe 65% of the year. Wait, that's just under two-thirds. Yeah, quick math. Not going well. I think he, fi- he started the year really well and um, looked... Looked good, looked happy, and then the last third of the year, I think, just um, looked a bit uh, looked like he was struggling a bit. Um, whether a bit of frustration with, and you know, whether the whole side was starting to feel a bit of frustration with how things were going. Um, he just probably looked a little bit more visibly frustrated. Um, I'd never, I, I never wanted to get into questioning his attitude because I think what, when you think about, you know, he's separating footy and life, and footy and life, that's fine. But I think when you actually think about what he's been going through over the last couple of years with his um, lovely wife Kelly and everything that's been going on with her cancer battle um, trying to question the attitude of someone that's turned up to, turned up week in week out and played some pretty good footy over that time um, you know is a pretty poor move so I'd give Finlayson a B minus I think no, probably C plus um, I just think that end of the year was when their forward line was really crying out for some for people to take over a little bit more it just no one really did and he and he's a part of that and um, we do again I think oh god you could float between C plus and B minus because I think there's things that we do with trying to throw them into the ruck a bit more and I think he's I think it, towards the end of the year he looked tired and exhausted probably from the exertions of playing some of those roles and because we were struggling in the ruck this year all year and um and he he we were throw, throwing him in there a bit and you know dixon and whoever else and 
you know, that's a tough one. To, that's a tough one to mark because I think he's he played some pretty damn good footy at the start of the year, and then it just fell away at the end. So that's a tough one. McKenzie, um, that's a that's a solid B for me. I think he uh, he came in again, and just considering we never expected much from him, picking him up a few years back, he's just keeps plugging away and doing his role and um, putting his body on the line. And 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 it's no no secret that the best part of our year came when him and Aaliyah were um, just plugging away down there in the back line. So. Really happy with his Bergman. I've talked about Rioli. I've talked about Ollie Wines. That's the one I'm going. I'm dipping into uh, d- dipping into D, d territory because I think the caliber of player he is. He's our vice captain. Um, you could say he's underdone um, coming into the year, but he pretty much played all year and he could just could never quite find that form. I know he was playing a little bit of outsider position, but um, I just expect so much more from a player that just a couple of years ago he was polling 36 Brownlow votes. This year he polled zero. So in two years, he's gone from 36 to zero. Um, he's still only, I think he's 28, 29, 29, I think. He's probably, he's coming to the, the those twilight years of his career, but when you look at what Boke has done in his twilight years and a lot of other players have done, we've just seen Pendlebury um, playing as good a footy as ever as he's led, um, helped lead, uh, uh, I know he's not captain anymore, but he's helped lead that Collingwood side to a grand final win. Um, you know, Ollie Wines has got some pretty good, peers out there now that can show you how it's done to keep getting the best out of yourselves the likes of still side bottom as well in that team um he needs to have a good hard look and i'm not saying a look at himself i, I, I love all wines and what he's done for this team over the years but i think this year was just so disappointing i think at times this year it felt like he was starting to get it together and then he then next week would be like a you know 13 disposal game 15 18 whatever else and just just unsighted a lot and just I know the midfield makeup changed drastically going into this year, but um, I still just think he, as the caliber of player he is, and the and the body he has, and the and the kind of player he can be, there's just so much more that he can he can be this year. And I think the club hasn't shied away from that either. And I know there's obviously trade radios stupid at the moment, and Ollie Wine's name, they just naturally they throw up play good players in t- teams that look a little bit out of sorts. They'll throw their names into the hat, the, the ring, with nothing more than the fact that they just think that they, they that could be a trade target. I I wouldn't want to see us move on Ollie Wine's this year. I want to. I think if he had another year like this next year, then maybe you start going, oh, fuck, what are we what are we doing here? Like, do we need to just move on from this? Um, but I think the caliber of player Ollie Wines can be and has been for a long part of his career. Uh, we need to work with him and find find that form again. But I think he and he's a part of that journey too. So um, yeah, that was unfortunate. That's an unfortunate year for him. Um, and yeah, very it was very disappointing. And I think a large reason that uh, our season ultimately didn't finish the way it should have is just he just couldn't find a way to influence enough and even though I know that Zach Butters and the likes of Butters and Rosie and the next player we'll talk about Horn Francis took a lot of um, role in that midfield only ones are still an integral part of that unit um, in the middle there and um, he just he just couldn't find it Horn Francis I'll give him a B plus um, I think he had some incredible games um, that 13 disposal game against Geelong was fantastic three Brownlow votes I'm being kidding. That's not on him, though. That's on the umpires and whatever else they're thinking. He had a lot of those games this year, though. He had 12, 13, 15 disposals, and, and you know, the, obviously the uh, the kangaroo nuffy accounts and whoever else that wanted to boo like a fucking cunt um, would, um, you know, post those stats immediately after the game. But then they'd be very quiet when you'd have that 22, 24, 25 disposal game, a couple of goals, and, and he'd pop up. Kids 20. He's doing exactly what we want at that time. I think at times 
in some of those crucial games. Yeah, you'd like to see a little bit more out of him already, just because you know that he's got it in him. But at his age, I think a, a solid B-plus year for him. Um, and seeing the growth and seeing some of those games that he really did play best on field and those those line those line busting runs where he just puts the jets on and tucks the ball under his arm and and just with his his phys- physical you know the the physicality he has he can just bust through bust through the lines like that it, it was really promising to see so i think yeah the exactly the year i mean you could say it's an a plus year because it's what you expect but it's still just like you know you need to see a bit more out, outcome at times um but yeah, no, just I've got no real problems with the year he had. Rosie already talked about. Aaliyah talked about. Charlie Dixon, you give him a C. I think he started the year really well, and again, it's not all on him um, this year. I just, I just think, um, unfortunately, the injuries uh, betrayed his season a lot, and um, he he couldn't get right in his leg. He was just walking around on one leg essentially, and um, and just due to the necessity of our side needing. Needing him at times, he came in and just and just couldn't perform the way that we expect. So um, unfortunately, just a bit, just a rough year for him. Sam Hayes, I'll give him a C plus. He still just isn't he isn't the guy. Um, he's not going to be the guy. I don't think. Unfortunately, despite you know a couple of years ago, we really thought he would be, but uh, I just don't think he's just he's around the groundwork. You know, his tap work can be pretty good, but he just uh, he still doesn't quite battle well enough. And at this age, this time, you'd want to see him act actually as a. AFL level ruckman, I just haven't seen that from him enough. Um, but he came in and played. Um, he did what we expected when he came in, I guess, and that's what I, I can't give him a fail grade for that. So, um, Riley Bonner, you give him a. Jeez, oh, you know, that's one of those things I just I can't actually physically remember any. I know he played this year, I just can't fucking remember any of it at the moment, to be honest. Um, it's tough because Riley Bond has been a scapegoat at times. I don't want to give him. A, he, I'd just give him a C plus as well. He comes in and plays his role, and um, he 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 burns the ball here and there, and give you a turnover here and there. But it's what we expect from him at this point. I think he can. You know, I've often thought about. It, I know some people talk about it as well. He's the only one that turned up in 2021 in that prelim, which is fucking unfortunate. Um, but you know, he played a good game that day, and I I think he's he's one of those players that's just um. You can see that he's almost there. He's just maybe never going to quite get there. He's just, you know, occasionally just burns the ball in that way that's just so horrifically bad that it's a struggle. Um, Scott Lysett, I'm actually going to probably surprise a few people here and give him a B-. minus. I think when he was fit this year, he was actually pretty handy. He just didn't have the tank to get through a game, which is a problem. Um... Again, my, my letter grade is going to be all over the place. I could do this next week and be completely different depending on my mood. Um, so, you know, don't take this for what it is, which is just my opinion. But I just think there was times this year I just went, oh, no, Scooter's actually looking pretty good. You know, when he came back, because he started the year pretty rough and was out for a few weeks, and he came back and actually I, I started seeing, I was thinking, if he can stay fit like this, like this is the guy that will be ruck, rucking for us in the finals and might actually help us get there but then his body just can't hold up for a season anymore it can't even get through a game the stamina of the tank's just not there and you know unfortunately but i you know maybe it's c plus b minus territory somewhere in there i just think he had one of those years that at times i just went fuck he's he's still got it but he also doesn't it was really weird it was one of those years that you just go we need to move on from him but also it sucks because i like scooter so um ollie lord I'll give him a B plus. I think he came in and he shanked the ball a few times, which is probably what gets him below an A. <laughs> I think he uh, he um, you know is kicking it in some of those early games, but he 
his attitude, his swagger, the way he carries himself on the field. He's got a bucket loads of confidence, I think. He's got buckets for hands from the looks of it. Um, and he, and he, he marks strong above his head. He's put on, like, he looks a lot more physical. Like, you know, when, when he got drafted, he looked like a tall, lanky, skinny bloke. And he's still got a, the tall, lanky kind of look to him. But he's, he, he, you can see he's put on a little bit of muscle over the last 18 months. And... Um, the way he leads and marks and, and the way he carries himself and the confidence he seems to has, have, um, I think is going to le- lead him good stead going forward. So I'm really happy with um, him debuting this year and, and the way he looked because I think that's, um, you know, when you look at an uncertainty, I have like, gone back to Marshall for a moment and it's nothing to do with his play. It was just, you know, there's that uncertainty with his um, concussion history and then obviously Dixon's um, on for another year, but who knows how that's going to go next year depending on how, if he, he can stay fit. Hopefully, Georgiades is fit next year, but, you know, with um, just some uncertainty over it. Like, we've got plenty of forwards. It's just they're all... There's all a little bit of that uncertainty in them. Um, I think uh, Ollie Lords, it's really good to see him come in and, and, and give us a siding and give us some promise in what he can bring to the side this year. So, um, yeah, pretty happy with his results. Um, Francis Evans, I'll give him a B-plus as well. I think he came in and did everything he could. Um, obviously, he couldn't hold his spot, which maybe isn't all out, all down to his fault, to be fair. Um, but I think his bags of goals and kind of um, his his tenacity and attack on the ball and just um, willingness to, to do whatever is asked of him um, was really good. And uh, he's been a good pickup, and I hope he gets a bit more of a shot next year, depending on you know who comes in and out and whatever else. Maybe he won't be needed, but I think he showed enough this year, and he probably deserved to hold his spot after that showdown showdown loss. So. Um, Darcy Byrne Jones, I'll give him a B minus. I think he had, you know, he obviously got dropped, um, but I think when he came back in and then he got brought on for that sub role uh, against was that Sydney that he came on for that one? I can't even remember. He came on as a sub at some point this year and um, and actually like helped turn the game uh, in a way um, and had some good moments up forward. He just didn't. Again, kind of like Ryan Burton, I think like players like Burn Jones and Burton, uh, Lockie Jones to an extent, we'll talk about next. Um, well, Lockie Jones, I'll say, I'll give us all a B2 as well. I think his development this year was promising. Um, I think he looks a little bit more at the pace of the AFL game, I think, as the year went on uh, for Lockie. I think he understood, like, he's just starting to starting to develop into an AFL player, I think. And, you know, these things get take time. Um, but, yeah, I think Lockie, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's going to be good. Um, really happy with his role. I kind of lost my train of thought because I was talking about Darcy Ben jones and I just rolled into Lockie. But, yeah, I think Darcy and, and Burton were the two players that really, at times, looked really good in their forward pressure role. But then, obviously, it took away from their defensive role. And then when they were plugged in and out, it, it um, unfortunately... Uh, they kind of kind of fucked with their season as well. So, yeah, I mean, some people be surprised to see a B minus for him. I think it's probably actually now it's probably C plus territory. I think he had some good moments this year, but then he had some moments that reminded you that he still needs to get back to. He still needs to somehow find his way back to that level that got him an All Australian jacket a few years ago. So, yeah, go Lockie Jones. I'll give a solid B. Darcy Burns Jones gets a C plus. Um, rolling through year to players. Um, Jace Burgoyne and McCullum didn't see enough. Uh, Hugh Jackson, a couple of sub-emergency uh, appearances, but that's about it. Uh, oh, Dante Vicentini in there. Um, I mean, he only played one game, really, more or less. 
Oh, I mean, just give him a B plus for the. He came in and showed us a fair bit, I think, and um, you know, I know that we're we're looking to ruck options, obviously, that we need because I think Vicentini's still got some development to go. But I think if we can get someone like Jordan Sweet, or I think I saw Ivan Soldo's name um, floated as well uh, in coming in. Uh, but I think Vicentini's showed enough to promise that maybe we we get, give him another couple of years of development and see where he can get to. Um, would be uh, pretty happy with that. So, yeah, no, I was I was happy with Dante Vicentini's um, limited appearance. Um, I can't say too much more than that, but you know, because sometimes you get a better idea of how a player actually really is playing um, based on um, you know multiple games. But just from his one appearance, I'd give him a solid B and just say it was a good good debut. And um, he did did he play one or two? I'm you know I, I really should research this, but also I. I, sometimes when I research it and I, and I structure it too much, I, I actually kind of lose my train of thought, ironically, and um, and don't talk as freely. So this is why I'm doing it this way. Um, who else? There wasn't much else that played. Uh, oh, Dylan Williams already talked about. Bryn Tickle, um obviously got delisted at the end of the year, and I think he just showed, um, unfortunately, that just he... I think he, he looked good in his debut last, was last year... But then um, I just think he uh, injuries and whatever else, and I just think he he wasn't quite an AFL level player. I think he's a quite a high level player. I just don't think he's quite um, AFL level, and that's about it. On Bryn, um, I liked him a lot. I liked some of the things he did. He just his all around game just didn't quite come together enough uh, for a proper um, what you'd expect from a player at that level. So um, yeah, I just guess I give him a. C minus on the year for his, you know, his his appearances. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate to get to the end of the year and see a lot of these players that I, at times this year I was really impressed with, but you come down to it at the end and it's all just, you know, pass marks, but just not high level. Um, and that's, you know, it's disappointing at this point. You know, you would like to see a lot more out of them, but it just didn't it just didn't happen. Um, and that's just the nature of nature of coming to um, the end of a year in the in the way we did. Um, it just we didn't. We were pretty fucking disappointed down the stretch, and that's the, that's the way it is. So, um, yeah, I will take a quick break here, and we'll chat about uh, games of the year quickly, and then um, and then wrap it up. Alrighty, so the game of the year nominees, because I thought you know we had some good fun games this year, and it's good to look back on that stuff. And um, as much as the game, the season ended terribly, and and we have all that theories and ideas about what's happening at the club and the and the frustrations um you know we had some good memorable wins this year uh i got bulldogs away was uh, came up a couple of times um the Essendon after the siren came up from semi power and i appreciate that one but that one's that one that game was tedious to watch most of, most of it for me um I, actually i was drunk that night too so maybe that was part of it too but um Richmond at the G, Dave Lloyd put that one up there. We don't often win there, which I very much agree that um, that does play into it. Uh, as I said, Philip Downs had uh, um, the Western Bulldogs gather round. Western Bulldogs at Marvel came up a few times as well, which I think um, the Bulldogs were, you know, the, the, the Bulldogs had a weird year and there's a lot of questions about them as well, but they were at times a pretty good damn good side this year and playing some good footy, you know, Bonham Pelly up there for the Brownlow, all that stuff. Um, winning away against them, I mean, actually getting two, win, you know, winning both games against the Bulldogs this year was pretty impressive. Um, so I think both of those coming up and Demons at Adelaide Oval is the other one that comes up a few times. 
Um, someone did say the Pies' loss uh, was game of the year for them, um, which uh, at at home obviously, uh, not the not the seventy one point one, and they but also nominated uh, Geelong at home for the best win as well as the Bulldogs at Marvel. So it seems like Bulldogs at Marvel is actually right up there, um, probably the fan sentiment along with um, Melbourne at Adelaide Oval. For me, it's Melbourne at Adelaide Oval. I think that one was the one that um, I for me. Some of our the grit and determination, the fact that it was a top four team, um, you know, uh, I think that showed the best parts of what we did this year. There's some of the worst parts as well. We had a lead in that game, and then we let it slip, and they got ahead by what they up by 17, 18 points um, just before the end of the third quarter. Um, so there were some of those bad things, the bad patches that I was talking about earlier, all that stuff. But the fact that we came back in that fourth quarter in those conditions, um, Butters had one of the games of the year. You know, was that the game that he had? You know, disposals out the wazoo and and uh, and just one of those games that um, I think showed the best of us in the never say die attitude that I wanted to see more of down the stretch this year. And I think it just a little bit of that attitude and and some of the stuff that we we kind of seemed to steal steal in resolve after that showdown loss. Um, and all the chatter after that, um, and the and the negative press for the next ten or so weeks after that, up until the buy, really, we seem to um, just hunker down and and kind of you know batten the hatches and 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 us against them, that kind of stuff. Uh, and and that Melbourne result, I think, was one of the highlights of that period um, against such a high quality opposition. Um, you know, all, that was because Clayton Oliver played that game, and then he, I think he got injured in that game. And then that's when all that stuff started happening with his um, his weeks and weeks off and all that chatter about his hamstring and whatever else. But he was in that game and playing well, and Petrarca was in there and playing well, and and um, he had Brody Grundy shushing the crowd and all that stuff. It was just it was it was top level. It was Friday night footy, um, all that stuff. Um, you know, it was just you know marquee game of the week kind of stuff. And we and we came out on top, and I think that's important. Um, particularly when people talk about our night record at Adelaide Oval and stuff like that, isn't isn't fantastic to win a game of that caliber? I think was really really impressive, and and it just sucks that um, we can't look back on that game more fondly with um, having a more successful end to the season. But I still think it deserves talking about. Well, the wild card pick for me would have been round one as well. I think that that game against Brisbane and how and how we saw Brisbane end up playing the year um, and playing the year pretty well. Um, I think. Um, for me to come out and dominate Brisbane in round one the way we did because we beat them they didn't they I mean they they didn't play the best game we actually just beat them as well pretty pretty fairly I think and and played a really really great game and in great conditions that that early autumn kind of footy is always fun um and you know so that one that one was right up there for me as well as memorable for me just watching it here it was on it I think it was on it like uh, I want to say it started like nine or ten o'clock over here on the west coast and um on a on a Friday, obviously for us, and it was uh, it was just a nice you know night. It was my first Port game watching over here uh, for a long time, and so there was kind of a little bit of personal just excitement for that to sit up at you know you know ten o'clock on a Friday night and watch a Saturday afternoon footy game was just weird and wonderful, and then the way we played was really good, so that kind of set us up for a seat and set me up for what I thought was going to be really fun next few weeks, and then we we fucked up for the next couple of weeks, but then we had a thirteen game win streak and all that and. The, but yeah, that Melbourne win I think is just the most impressive, considering the conditions in the middle of that was true Friday night footy in the middle of winter kind of conditions, and um, and we came out on top. So that's the one for me. Um, the last question I asked people was their predictions for our finishing spot for next year, and it's um, 
some people have just got a, a wide range. Some people, are, you know, I've I got uh, Daniel Power and and uh, Lamont Stars went for uh, uh, top four. Lamont Stars went second. Uh, he said, "Let's go for it second next year." But then there's a few others. Uh, Gianni went with anywhere from fourth through tenth. Um, I, I, I call it, that's a <laughs> that's a little bit of fence sitting, but I, I appreciate it all the same. I think. But then you got uh, Philip went from the six to twelve range. Um, uh, Alessiani went with fifth. Uh, Dave Lloyd went with Erg seven to twelfth, and uh, Semi Power went with seventh. So I think there's, um, I think this kind of speaks to the consternation and, and uncertainty within our within our fan base about who we are as a side because we know our best footy can get us. You know, we didn't even play our best footy consistently enough this year, and we somehow found ourselves in the top four. So we can tighten things up a little bit more. Then top four is achievable, but you also know that we're we're only a few kicks away from possibly finishing in eighth or just right out of finals if if some of these close results have gone the other way. So I think that speaks to um, the uncertainty and, and just the 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 Ill, Ill feeling and and lack of trust completely in the in the in the head coaching role and 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 you know just some of the decisions being made around the club. Again, I'm not making any, you know, assertions about anyone personally or anything like that. I'm just saying that there is genuine questions about, you know, I've been on the record of saying that, you know, I don't think Hinkley's going to be the one to lead us to the uh, premiership. I think he's a good man and I think he's a decent coach. I just don't think he's a great coach uh, in the stratosphere of the ones that are winning, you know, winning premierships. But then, you know, he, I think it's, I think footy is just one of those things that sometimes, if you know, uh, you know, change is good as a holiday, sometimes they say, and maybe this was the time for change and unfortunately we just bungled uh, fumbled the bag at the end of the year both on the field and off the field I think a little bit as far as messaging to supporters and fans and members and, and everything like that and, and then just the way we ended up playing on the field at the end of the year just beg, beg the question as well and I think that's uh, borne out in some of those some of those predictions from people on Twitter as well I think it just shows that there's such a wide ranging you know there's people that just want to say well fuck it we'll finish top four because you know we might as well be hopeful otherwise you know what are you going to do you're, so, you're just you know setting yourself up for a, you know really failure um, if, or, or just or just sadness if you if you continue to just go down that road of negativity I, I always like to think that we'll go into a season and finish in finals and play well um, realistically um, if I'm going to put my you know body on the line here and and say what i think we'll do next year i think i think there's a transitional year coming again which is frustrating um i just think when bringing a few players in working through um again betting in this new midfield group that's going to be the midfield midfield group of the future whilst we've still got the likes of wines who will hopefully have a better year and then boke prop like you know, very likely in his last year i'd think um <sighs> And I think there's a few teams, you know, if Carlton GWS continue their ascent, um, they'll be battling for top four. Um, Collingwood will be right up there again. Um, Brisbane will be up there and you know, maybe, um, you know, Brisbane, there's some players aging in that side, but, you know, there's some good young youth in there as well. But then there's always surprises in any, any given day for a year. No one, no one had us top four this year and, um, you know, everyone's got Adelaide playing finals next year. They were going to win the f- fucking win the flag, I think, according to Rowie until Clayton <laughs> for the five minutes that Clayton Oliver was going to be a Crows player. Um, so who knows for next year? But I think we're probably we should be good enough um, to make the eight. But I think we'll be you know, between fifth and sixth. I think is going to be where we're at. Um, I just yeah, fifth or eighth is that range. I think we make finals, but I think it's going to be a tougher year. And, and um, you know, we're every chance of of improving um, out of 
you know, without expecting it. But, um, yeah, I just think with the... They're going to have to... There's going to be a lot of people. Um, and if we start, if we have a bad year, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think Higley sees out the end of his contract would be my other thing. I think um, whatever we did with that extension and, and everything else, I think... Um, the club really has to have, have in the back of their mind that they cannot let, let him see at the end of this contract if it does go south. If we, if we have a good year next year and end up at finals again, um, then, you know, just we'll see the contract, I guess. But I don't know. I, I still think we, you know, unfortunately... And I said at the time when the contract was signed, I was just like, well, I, I, we were in a rock and a hard place. I think it would have been a distraction heading into final. Like, I can... And maybe it was, maybe it would have been a, maybe we should have just copped it and said that we're going to go into finals um, with an unsigned. But I can imagine the media noise would have gotten incredibly fucking annoying. So I think the club was in a rock and a hard place considering how well we'd played at times for the year. Um, but yeah, I think next year is going to be a year of slight transition. Um, I think we can still make finals, but um, we might just drop off slightly. And that's that's not to say that I think we, I think we were we weren't far off from being a bottom part of the eight side this year anyway. I think we just snuck across the line in a few games with some inspired performances in that within that 13-game win streak, and that just got us into the top four in a, in a year that I don't think it was quite expected. So, you know, I think next year might be bottom part of the, bottom half of the eight, and then and then hopefully with the recruits we've got coming in, uh, we'll see how this trade period goes and all that stuff that maybe uh, the year after that, um, you know, with... Butters and Rosie hitting their mid twenties, and 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 Horn Francis with a couple of years under his belt. I think that might be the year to really assault for the top four. But you know, we should be really going for it next year too. It's just, um, if I'm my personal opinion is that we won't be quite at the races next year, quite yet. But I'm happy to be surprised. I'm happy to be wrong always, unless my prediction is we're going to win the grand final every year. Then I'm happy to be wrong by saying we're not going to be because I would I'd, I'd I'd like to be winning it next year. So we'll see how it goes. Um, that's about it for me on this one though. I think um, appreciate the long. This is a long one. Uh, if you've gotten through to this point, appreciate you. Um, yeah, the shop's up and running. I haven't actually plugged it on Instagram or Twitter or anything at all yet because I'm still trying to. I want to get a couple more products on there, but it is there. There's six things on there at the moment. Um, I put up a discount code for the podcast listeners. I'll just say. Um, what should a podcast code be today? Um, I'll just do review 15. Um, I guess that might make sense. Review 15. I'll uh, get you 15% off on the store for the next, uh, we'll go f- five days. I'll set it for five days from now. So if you get the order in in the next couple of days when you listen to this podcast, this is uh, Thursday, the 5th of October for me. So it'll be Friday. It's about Friday lunchtime for you guys over there in, in Adelaide. So um, if you get it in before, you know, Monday, Tuesday, then you're probably going to be fine. If it says that the code doesn't work, um, if, especially on the weekend, then let me know. But if it says the code doesn't work by, the t- by Tuesday, Wednesday, then it probably means it's just expired. But re- review 15 We'll get your discount. Uh, that's the creed.bigcartel.com. The creed.bigcart. I can't fucking speak. I'm two hours in. Um, just go to the link tree on the Twitter, and you'll see the, the yeah. There's a link in the Twitter bio or the Instagram bio. You can go on the go go follow that. I'm fucking knackered. I am out. Can the pair.